for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, you've got us here at the Clock End Talk on an extra podcast this week. Uh, we've got Tony. How are you, mate? Not too bad, thanks yourself. Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, who else we got? Schwinn. How are you, buddy? Good. Just living. All of us living in Eddie and Katia's world. Couldn't get better. <laughs> good stuff, mate. And Savvy, you're there as well, mate. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very good. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. Uh, Carl's not joining us because we are recording this on a Friday night or a Friday for you people in the UK. Um, So we also are going to do another podcast on our usual weekly podcast on a Sunday. So this is just uh, um, filling the gap this week because there's been so much news coming through after the AGM, we thought we might cover a couple of things so we'll get straight into that before we touch on the Norwich game Tony just explain to all the listeners out there mate why does Arsenal have an AGM and 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 what come out of the AGM so I think based on a lot of the comments we've got I think the first thing we kind of need to clarify is what an AGM is Uh, it's an annual general meeting Um, they are every company that has shareholders will have them um, it's a bit of a shareholders catch-up, basically. All shareholders go in and they they have a review of the year and what's gone on. Um, obviously, Arsenal's business is football, but it's not really a meeting about football. It's about how the business is performing. So I've seen a lot of people moaning about the questions that are, weren't asked, that were asked and weren't asked. But I think it's key to understand what an AGM is before you realise why the questions that you wanted to be asked wasn't. Um, Yes, as I said, it's a meeting of shareholders. Uh, the reason it's got so much interest in the press is because we are the only one of the top five or six, and maybe even beyond that, um, that have shareholders. So obviously Abramovich owns pretty much all of Chelsea. Um, the same goes for Sheikh Mansour at City, uh, the Glazers at United, Tottenham, one, I can't remember his name, something Lewis, I think. And uh, now Everton have got Kemrite and Mashiri. Uh, Arsenal obviously are not run like that so we have to have an AGM Uh, what's come out of it is not much Uh, so there's a fan, it's called the Arsenal Supporters Trust, they own literally less than 1% of the shares um, I believe, or or definitely less than 2% anyway, Mm -hmm. and uh, they basically so one of the questions put to the the shareholders was, uh, shall we keep Chips Keswick, Chairman and Josh Kroenke on the board Uh, as a form of protest the supporters' trust said no. Uh, so usually what happens is they have a vote in the room. Can, can we put them on the board? Everyone puts their hands up and they move on to the next topic. As a protest this time, the, the people put, didn't put their hands up. So then they had to go to a vote, which was the most pointless thing ever. Because Dan Kroenke owns 67% of shares. So they've literally, everyone's voted, but only one person's vote counts. So obviously in the end, the, the vote, it was over 99% for both of them. Or definitely over 98% for both of them. Yep. So they both got their jobs reinstated. It was just a bit of a waste of time, really. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to defend anyone because Chips Keswick is clearly a plonker. Um, but as, as I said, I think a lot of people have not really understood what an AGM is. Um, there's a lot of people questioning uh, Chips Keswick and his attitude did stink and he was, he was very dismissive of, of especially fans that were shareholders. Um, I suppose that they don't have much effect on his job because he's got the say from the 67% man. Uh, interestingly, uh, Usmanov voted the same way as Kroenke on all issues, um, which was a bit surprising. It, it didn't make a difference, but it was a bit surprising. 
um, a lot of people have been moaning about Keswick not really care, not really caring about the fans' opinions, which obviously is wrong, but also not really caring too much about the football side of things. Yep. Uh, it's key to understand that he's chairman of the club. Uh, he's there in a business role more than anything else. This is Chip. So, this is Chip you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Chip. Yep. Yeah, so Chip's Keswick. Um, so as much as as fans we'd love everyone involved with the club to be a football man, mm-hmm. he's there as a chairman of the club in a business sense he's to look over profits man. and losses. Yep. and make sure everything uh, underneath him goes well. So it isn't essential that he's a fan or he cares about football. I mean, I used the example before that I used to work as a salesman for a crisp company. Um, I didn't care about crisps. They just paid my wages. I think Chips Keswick is similar. As, as I said, as much as fans, we'd love him to care about football. To him, it's just a job. Tony, yeah, so you mentioned um, Uzbanov in that talk. Now, he owns percentage of the club through shares but he doesn't have a seat on the board so what would he have played any role at this age uh so he voted via lawyers i believe uh so basically when anything went to a vote uh each each uh share was worth one vote uh so he had a say in his vote as i said i think he voted via lawyers i don't think he was in attendance um but that, yeah, I mean that's that's all it was. He had essentially so the the supporters trust that have less than one percent. Uzmanov in theory had the same amount of power as them, although his votes were worth thirty odd percent and theirs were worth circa one percent. But apart from that, he didn't really have a a role to play. And the chances of him getting a seat on the board, we've already discussed the zero to none, aren't they? They don't want him there. Well, I mean, well as I said, I think he could probably ask, but. Mm. He's going to be outvoted every time because even if all of the remaining shares vote in his favour, including him, Cronkies obviously still has a two-thirds majority, mm-hmm. give or take. So, or even if Cronkies say only got sixty percent of shares, he's still going to win sixty forty. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, just to to put it up in a quick little nutshell, give us your positives that come out of an AGM and negatives that come out of the AGM. Um. It's difficult because, as I said, it's a business meeting. And, and as fans, in, in general, we don't really concern ourselves with business stuff. We concern ourselves with what happens on the pitch. Yep. So I don't really see that there was much of a positive that came out of it. Wenger spoke very well, but he always does. Mm-hmm. Like him, hate him, whether you want him to be our manager or not. You can't deny that the man speaks very well. Even if you don't believe a word of what he says, mm. he is a very good public speaker. So he spoke well. I guess that's as much as a positive as you're going to get out of a business meeting. Yep. And the negative... It, Again, similarly, um, there, there isn't really any. I mean, look, Chips Keswick's a dick, but it doesn't affect what happens on the pit. Mm. So the pluses and negatives, as I said, I don't think they really matter. Um, one thing that I'm just going to bring up, because I'm not sure if we're going to cover it, yep. is Gazidis said that we're, we've overachieved um, in terms of budget, in terms of where we've finished compared to <laughs> our budget in the last three or four years. Yep. And people have taken, uh, taken exception to that and been unhappy. But... Look, I, I don't particularly agree with this, but I know exactly where he's coming from, and factually, he is correct. Mm. We've had the fourth biggest budget in the league for the last however many years. In the last four years, we came second, third, fourth, and fifth. So the average is around three. And we've also won three FA Cups. Yeah. So what he's saying is per budget of fourth and our average position is third, we have overachieved. Mm. In terms of facts, you cannot argue with that. Um, but again, this is spe- he's speaking purely in a business sense because it is a business meeting. As fans, we'd go this, that, and the other. Wenger gets paid this. Our players are worth X, Y, and Z. 
Um, obviously, Tottenham have massively overachieved compared to budget in the last two years, especially. Um, but what he's saying is factually correct in a business sense, and it is important to remember, as I've said a million times, it is a business meeting. That's what the AGM is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Cronky, he, obviously, everyone still hates him. Um, he's never going to win the fans, and did he have much to say? Uh, so he released an interview uh, with one of the papers, I think The Guardian, um, the day before, which was very strange because obviously he's not in a silent stand. Yep. At the um, at the the AGM, it was cut short because Chips Keswick needed to go for lunch or something. Um, so there was questions due to be to him later on. Whether he would have answered them, no one knows. But it never got to that st- stage. But mm-hmm. again, in general, an AGM is all of the shareholders coming together to discuss what's happened in, in the year that's previously gone. Yep. Uh, we all know Cronky doesn't have too much to do with the club. So I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't planning to talk because more than anything, it was probably a chance for him to come and speak to essentially all of his staff about what they're doing with his investment. As mm-hmm. in, he owns the club. How have you run my business this year, essentially? Yep, yep. Uh, so I wasn't expecting him to talk. As I said, it never got to that stage, but I don't think he would have done. But it's not. It's also not out of character. It's not unusual that he wouldn't talk because mm-hmm. Edith's probably done most of the talking, but he's... That's, that's his job. He's the one that's he's the one running the day to day. He's yep. the one that's running the company. If you look at the club as a company on the day to day, so Cronky didn't say anything. But I don't think that's entirely unsurprising. And also, had he planned to, it never got to that stage. Mm. I just uh, just to sum it up as an, a bit of an analogy, and you look at Apple, <laughs> and let's say uh, they're a big company, and let's look at it back at when Steve Jobs got got punted from the place he was punted by the board the chairman who but he actually controlled the company steve jobs he he invented the the um you know the 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 software the technology and whatnot but not not the board so what i'm getting at is arsenal kazidis and and chip and that they're in the background running a business um is that that's how how top basically sums it up doesn't it yeah, they're, they're essentially staff on Stan Kroenke's payroll running a business. And, and Stan owns the club and he looks at the bank balance and he says, yeah, boys, you're maybe money this year, um, continue what you're doing. As, as yeah. sad as that is, but, but that's the reality of it. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Okay. Um, Schwinn, you got any dad on any of that, mate? Uh, not quite. I think... Uh Tony and you touched upon most of the facets that were that made uh, you know made the headlines yesterday. I will say this uh, just quickly that we do often forget that it is football, and uh, this AGM also talks about the good the football the you know the club has done. Yep. And Arsenal has done some some good stuff in the last year, and I'll quickly run down uh, a brief list. Number one is the sensory room that they've uh, that they spoke about during the AGM, which. As, as, an, as an all-inclusive club uh, is great for our fans who suffer from, uh, you know, from different sort of disorders that don't really help them being in a stadium. Mm. So, so good on our club to have something like that. So the second, secondly is the Innovation Lab uh, that is helping you know, new startups and new companies come up with new models on how fans can have a better experience in the stadium. That's another good venture, I think, from the club side. 
Uh, and the last one is how Arsenal is going across borders and building football pitches. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just spreading the love of the game, uh, helping out in different areas in whatever way we can, whether it's in Iraq or in Northern Africa, wherever it is. Uh, I just props to the club to mm. you know for doing this outreach and and helping out in in, the, in our own way. Mm. So uh, that's something that uh, I think just got missed and all you know the important stuff, uh, quote unquote. So yeah. just just another something to touch upon. Yeah, no, thank you, mate. And, um, yeah, no, and they do great stuff um, behind the scenes, and a lot of people don't realise what they actually do. Um, yeah, mo- I mean, most football yeah. clubs do, and to be fair, they should. Mm. So, you know, whether it's one football pitch that you're building or, you know, whether it's ten, it doesn't yep. matter. You know, every drop makes an ocean. So, so shout out to all the other clubs, including Arsenal, that, that do that this sort of outreach. Yep, well said, Mike. Okay, Savvy, as a fan, what's, what, yeah. and you look back and um, what do you think of it when you hear AGM and... And you read, you, you scroll down through Google, and look, I just have a look now, search Arsenal, yeah. and just about everybody's talking about a, mm-hmm. an AGM. What's what's that do for you as a fan? Actually, uh, as a fan, I've learned that we shouldn't be expecting anything to come out of that AGM, because it's basically just a get-together between uh, people, and the questions we want them to answer are never going to be answered. Mm. So, uh, I never expected anything and uh, most of the people I think who were there or who followed it, I think uh, all of them were impressed with Wenger. I think he spoke very well and uh, I think he was the only one who came across as the one who cares for the club. Mm. And then uh, Gazidis, I think he he always mentions the uh, what we achieved and what we can achieve. So that was all expected and I was actually expecting uh, because uh, Stan Kroenke, he gave an interview uh, before the meeting. So I was expecting him to speak, but that didn't uh, happen. So I, uh, so we can't say anything. And mm. actually, I wanted to hear his son because I think uh, in last couple of uh, couple of months, you can say, I think he's getting more Im- more involved with the club. Mm-hmm. And I can see that as the only positive of this ownership. So I was uh, looking forward to hearing from them, but uh, that didn't really happen. So yeah, uh, rest all the points. I agree with them. I think. Uh... Okay, Tanya, just reading here as Savvy was talking, the AGM at the Emirates Stadium attracted 200 shareholders, the majority of whom voted unsuccessfully against re-electing. Uh, Chip Keswick as the director and Josh Cronkey in a rare move to show their unhappiness with the setup. Where's that sit with where they what happens there? <laughs> uh, so as I said earlier, they put their hands up to, uh, they didn't put their hands up, sorry, in agreement, so they've done a poll and ninety nine percent said that they still want it. So it was as I said, their votes are pretty much Worthless, in a sense. Yep. Um, I, I don't want to belittle any of them if they're listening. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've got a few of them on Twitter, and they're, they're some interesting people, and they they know what they're talking but about. It, but it's because they only have, uh, because the majority of them only have two percent of the club is is probably what what you're getting at, I suppose. 
because they just yeah, so have no big them, size. If you add them all up, I think it's less. It's definitely less than two percent. I think it's even less than one percent. Yeah. So this is what I was saying that only Cronkies vote matters really mm. because. He's if you need above fifty percent to pass something, and he has sixty odd percent, yep. then the other votes are all unimportant, essentially. Mm-hmm. Will he ever buy them to that two percent out? Uh, a lot of them won't sell, and uh, he will if he gets the other. If he gets Usman off shares, he'll try and buy the others, obviously. But there's no point adding two percent at the moment. Yeah. I said I don't even think it's as much as two percent, but yeah, yeah, I just, I'm just saying two percent, just so I don't, like you say, we don't want to um, do little, little, be little anybody. So, um, okay, well let's let's move on then. The AGM is what it is. Every business has it, so that's just just yeah. part and parcel of running day to day business. Um, look, half those guys they, they might they might watch the odd game, but. At the end of the day, as long as that bank balance is going up, that's that's probably all they they're more interested in. So, um, okay, right, let's move on from that. Okay, so we had a game during the week, boys, and I I um, was pretty critical on a couple of players, as were a few people I was looking at on Twitter. Um, we beat Norwich City 2-1 in extra time. Um, what was your take of the game, Tony? Did you were you did you go to the game? Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, because um, I know you're looking for tickets at one stage. Yeah, I sold my tickets and then decided I wanted to go, so brought some others. Okay. Um, um, I mean Norwich came to play. It was a good battle. Um, it's exact. I know. I know it wasn't a team of youngsters, but it's, it's exactly what a team of youngsters and people that haven't been playing regularly need. Someone that's going to put their foot in, uh, not give you a moment's rest. Yeah. It essentially turned into a typical championship game. I don't know how much people see of the championship, obviously around the world, but sort of quality wasn't amazing or the quality wasn't good. Mm. But it's fast and ferocious, and there's a challenge for every ball. Yeah. Uh, don't have a second to rest, really. Um, so, yeah, the performance wasn't great, um, but the players, some of them, need to experience that. Mm. Uh, it would have done people... I mean, Maitland-Niles went on loan in the Championship either last year or the year before, so he'd have been semi-used to it. Mm. Uh, it'd been brilliant for Nelson. Um, obviously, Coughlin just coming back into things. Uh, he's also played in the Championship before. Um, he was he was off the pace, but as I said, because that pace is probably higher than a Premier League game. The, the quality's not there, but the... The, the franticness is mm. um, Giroud done his normal I'm too good for this so I'm going to sulk mm. and in them games you get exposed by that because it's very clear to see a sulker when everyone else is running around at 100 mile an hour uh, Walcott was Walcott I can't even be bothered to talk about him um, <laughs> I, I, actually, oh, look, I didn't miss him in the ratings he was poor he, he offered nothing and and uh, I, he should end the, He should never have got the captain band. I don't know what. Like, I was looking at the team. Uh, I would have probably give it to uh, maybe Coughlin. Um, don't you, it would only ever be. No, but, you know, like anybody, somebody like he just he didn't deserve it, and and he played like a busted ass. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think um, everyone, including you, has, has obviously hammered El Nenny. And I think a lot of people have been very harsh. He wasn't good, but 
like some of the, the the stuff I've seen, I didn't think he was out and out awful. Um, I don't rate him. Look, we all know I don't rate him, but mm-hmm. uh, he was he was in a makeshift uh, position. He he lost his man once or twice through pace, but his speed is his speed. Like he's never going to be able to do anything about that. Uh, and people moaning that he passed the ball sideways and backwards. This is where I think people are very lazy and don't watch the game properly. And I've said this a million times, and people have taken offence to it, but I stand by it. Mm. A lot of fans generally moan about El Nenny going sidewards and backwards. I agree with that completely. But when you're at centre-back, I don't want you to be trying ambitious balls. I want you to play safe. So I think what's happened is people have decided El Nenny's had a bad game, and then they've just labelled the general criticism at it. Well, the, the problem I seen I seen with El Nani though was was yes you're right he was doing that but he wasn't sure he was playing centre back he kept drifting up into the midfields and I don't know why he kept yeah. doing that it was I don't know what you seen on the game or on live or where you where you were either but on the TV you could actually see him drifting up and at times he was almost playing like a centre mid or in the centre mid role leaving nobody behind in the centre back. I don't know why but he was... Yeah. There's, two things, there's two things to combat that. One, when you're playing three at the back, and I've, we spoke about this with Monreal the other day on the, on the podcast, is that one of them has to come out with the ball, otherwise there's no point in playing three at the back. The obvious choice was going to be him because he was fitter than the other two next to him and he's actually a midfielder. So for him to walk out with the ball, not a problem. Um, also, most of that criticism is laid from 30 minutes onwards when we was losing. So you've got to start committing extra men. So, and again, he is the natural choice to, to make that step out because he's going into a position he knows well. As I said, I don't think he was good. I, I generally thought he was quite bad, but mm. I think a lot of the criticism he's been labelled with has just been very lazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, fair result at the end, 2-1. Uh, I, I think we were lucky to get it to extra time, to be honest. Yeah. When you see a team... Uh... Come on, young Eddie came on in the 85th minute and sort of won us a game. It sort of sums up the, a lot of the other team, doesn't it? Or, or does it sum up how good Norwich were, I suppose? Uh, I mean, you never know. You have players on the bench to come and do that. I've got, I mean, I know a lot of people are joking, but there is also a lot of people going over the top about him. He did look excellent when he came on, but obviously the goal was all his, and you've got to give him credit for getting a poacher's goal, but that made the game open up because now Norwich couldn't just sit back anymore. So had he not scored then, you, we probably wouldn't have noticed him because there wouldn't have been space to run into him behind and whatnot. But because of that goal, then they had to step up 10 yards uh, to try and get a winner themselves. And then suddenly there's space in behind. So I can think of two or three, four or five runs where he, he ended up in behind, whether it be centrally or wide. Mm. And you can say it was down to his own doing because he got the goal that, that made them do that. But I, I don't think when people are comparing him and saying, oh, we had 85 minutes of Walcott in that position and he didn't get in behind once and Eddie got in behind seven times in 30 minutes, mm. circumstances uh, made that happen. It's not it's not a case of he done what Walcott wasn't able to. Well, I'll, ju- I'll just add to what you were saying. It, look, and I don't want to take anything away from the kid. He, he was good when he came on and he got two goals. A lot of people are saying he's the next best thing and whatnot. But keep in mind, Norwich City were very tired at the 85th minute. They'd have, like you could see, you could see how tired they were. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from the kid, but it was coming towards the 85th minute. They've just played 
intense match, and you could really tell that the the legs on them, some of them defenders, were pretty pretty tired. So, um, Schwinn, what did you think of the game, mate? Um, well, to be honest, I didn't catch the game in its entirety. Um, I'm in the middle of the day, so didn't really get time to you know dial in and uh, analyze and watch the game. Yeah. From the sounds of it, it was quite uh, gridlocked and it was. Uh, not the most easy on the eye game to watch, uh, but I think you guys have brought quite a lot of uh, rationale to uh, the game and its aftermath. So what I'll do is I'll bring a little bit of romanticism into it, uh, just for uh, our listeners who like that. So how about this kid, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I know tired legs, 85th minute, you know uh, this and that, but for confidence, I absolutely love it. Oh, These so young good. guys. Yeah play for the shirt you can see it you can see it in his celebration when he just knocks off joe willock that get off me this mm. is my moment you know yeah, he's yeah. been tweeting about it after ever since the game um so you know he's enjoying it and that gives me so much more happiness you know mm, uh, mm. seeing alexis and ozil on, and all these players tweet after games gives me happiness it mm. shows that they care yeah. and when a young guy who's just made it up to the team uh who's you know who wenger says Go, go make a name for yourself. We one nil down. The first thing he does is na- knock it back into the net. Mm. So I'm absolutely delighted for the kid. Uh, and he almost got a perfect hat-trick. I think he hit the crossbar with his left foot towards the end of the game. Uh, so what a what debut that would have been. Well, what a, not debut, but what a appearance that would have been mm-hmm. for the kid. But yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's good to say. Really dis- yeah, yeah, great confidence on the lad, and uh, good on him to uh, to make his chance count. Mm. But yeah, there was there were moments from especially the the bigger boys uh, from the Walcotts and the Giroux, which are not the most comforting to watch, uh, even even as highlights. Um, there are there is a little bit of disjointedness going on in the second team. Of course, they haven't played together a whole lot, so you can you can sort of tell that. Then you have players like Jack coming back and fitting into the mix as well. So, uh, all in all, I would say it was a tough result. Uh, uh, I, don't, I think Tony's absolutely right that we got lucky with it. Uh, but you know what? It gives more chances to our young guys to go and make it out there and show their quality. So, looking forward to West Ham and mm. the Emirates. Um, Savvy, so Awobi yeah. and Akpom. Yeah. What do you make of them, their performances? I think... Uh, Iwobi was usual. He worked hard, but uh, I think some of his pass, uh, he, his passing was bad, and uh, he didn't look that sharp. Mm. Uh, but and Akpom, I think he he looked okay, mm. and uh, other players, I think Jiru and Theo, I think they didn't have a very good game. Uh, I think most of the players didn't have a very good game. And uh, actually, I kind of agree with your point. I think uh, from the uh, from the television where I was watching the game, I think uh, it was looking like Elneny is coming out of position. But yeah, then Tony mentioned that it was because we are pushing uh, forward. Mm. So uh, it kind of makes sense right now uh, because I think uh, we were a goal down, and then it was the sensible thing to do. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, I want to give a shout out to I think uh, Madeleine Niles. I think uh, Wenger also uh, said something about him after the game. I think uh, uh, when he started playing at uh, 
left wing back he wasn't looking that good but slowly and slowly after each and every game i think he's growing into that position and he looks sharp and i think he now he knows he is now very comfortable in that position yeah so yeah. and uh, one more thing i'm liking about uh, these cup games is uh, with the with all the uncertainty around players going and uh, uh, we we couldn't qualify for the champions league so we are in europa league and so uh, what, you have to remind uh, us every day sevi <laughs> no, no, I'm not reminding you. I'm just telling you. I think there's a positive to that because a lots, lot of youngsters are getting chances, and most of the youngsters, uh, whether it is Nelson, Niles, now Eddie, so I think they are taking their chances, and it is very good because we have been a club who bring out players from their, uh, who usually bring players out from their academy. Mm. and recently uh, if you take evobi out there haven't been many players who are coming out of our academy mm. so it is really good to see uh, that europa league and these cups game uh, these cup games they are giving chance to youngsters and it is really a positive i think and they are taking their chances really well i think eddie is on cloud 9 and i think he's loving it and i'm loving it and i hope he gets uh, his chance uh, in the premier league also when he's ready obviously but uh, i'm really really excited to see the guy more yeah no it's good to see and um i i put out a preview earlier and i think i think all these all the premier league teams should at least play play at least minimum of five of their youth players and just yeah. you know make it happen and give them a go and um yeah um tony just on on uh I'm talking about jack Jack Wilshere. So he he started in the midfield. What was your thoughts there? Because uh, yeah, he had a okay like he did nothing wrong. Um and I I said it was a lot of the people the team around him probably that was more of a more of a hindrance more than than his performance. But what do you think of him starting in the midfield? Uh he actually I know that's how they put the lineups out, but if you watch like watching the game, he actually didn't uh Iwobi started deeper and Jack started where he'd been playing uh, in the Europa League. They changed that pretty quickly because it, as Savvy pointed out, Iwobi was pretty wasteful with the ball so they dropped Jack back. Yeah. Um I think one of the problems we had and we had it uh 2 years ago the year Ozil played very well. It was a problem we had is that we ran out of ideas and they just thought, "Oh, I know what to do. Give Jack the ball. He's creative." And no one else done anything for him. So the amount of times he had the ball sort of 30 35 yards out and everyone just looked and it was like oh he'll save today it was like he was superman mm. well was what the other players thought but they weren't giving him anything yeah. to work with um he wasn't spectacular uh he was he was virgin on good he was between average and good mm. uh nothing amazing but then as i said who was it, it was that type of game um the norwich number 4 reed harrison reed i think he's either on loan from southampton or they brought him from southampton didn't give um didn't give Jack a moment to to spare Jack had to beat him a few times but he was beating men and then only able to give it wide because they had sort of six men behind the ball and Giroud was uh doing an impression of a lamppost Walcott was probably offside and it would become short mm. so even if Jack was getting rid of the guy who was charged with marking him very tightly he still could only play the ball wide to the to the wing backs which is never going to look spectacular um He was clever. Uh there was one time in extra time where I, he he was dribbling and I shouted get out of the way there someone's going to smash you because he knows that this isn't the premier competition for him and he did. 
He went on a run, and rather going in a stupid 50-50 tackle, he let the ball go. Um, someone next to me shouted, oh, like, bottle, like, don't bottle it, but what would you want? What do you want him, to win that tackle and be out for three months? Yeah, or, that's right, for a, from give a them cup a goal game. Kick, <laughs> give them a goal kick and, and then be fit for however long. Mm. Um, so, no, he wasn't excellent. I think, as I've said this on every podcast we've done about Jack, I think people are expecting too much of him. It's like he's going to come back and, and beat Messi or something. Yeah. Um, but he was okay. He was just okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, guys. Um, so we we drew. Uh, you want to talk about the debacle of the draw of that cup? We did draw. <laughs> yeah, West Ham. <laughs> we, we drew West Ham. Um, I'll let you mention it, Schwinn. Uh, yeah, shambles uh, is the word that comes <laughs> comes to mind. Uh, I think people over there uh, were unaware that you can just use a cell phone these days uh, with a data <laughs> connection to live stream events. Yeah. Uh, some for some reason they needed to be at Twitter HQ and. Uh, have all this, uh, you know, drama going on, and it got delayed by what an hour and a half, and yeah, even still, like I think they just, yeah, they ended up putting a pre-recorded video, um, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure people glossed over because the excitement is to watch those balls come out, even if it's the Carabao Cup. There is excitement. I'm not going to deny that, mm. just with the process. Uh, but I think they've had some sort of issue pretty much every round uh, in terms of doing the draws. Um, so serious introspection required uh, on the sponsors' front, on the organizers' front, uh, and uh, I just don't like the name Carabao Cup. I'm just going to include oh, that into. I it. Yeah. yeah, I mean the good old days of the Carling Cup. I didn't even mind it just being called the EFL Cup. Uh, I thought that was fine as well. But yeah, uh, just something for the organizers to work for, I guess. What is, is it? A beer or a drink or something? What is it? It's an energy drink, I believe, from Asia, uh, Japan, maybe. Uh, if not, then Thailand. Indonesia, perhaps. Mm. Thailand. Yeah. Thailand. Thailand. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's fucking shit, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> so I just I'll move on from that, guys, because I just opened an article here, and I just before we go, because we're only going to do a quick, quick little podcast, so we'll wrap this up in a minute. Um. I just. There's a transfer talk starting already, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. Um, Arsenal made a bid for Barcelona midfield midfielder uh, Turin from Barcelona. What's your thoughts, boys? Would it be a player you'd want? Tony? Uh, who, sorry, I've not seen any reports. Yeah. Okay, um, so I'm just looking here. It was Arsenal made a bid for Barcelona midfield um, Arda Turan during yeah, trans- Arda Turan. Arda Turan. Yeah, uh, he's been linked with move away from Barcelona since seemingly time began. Um, he doesn't get in their team. He was a good player. He was at Atletico the year they reached their first Champions League final, or maybe left that year. Uh, decent player, but not really played much for three or four years. Uh, he will not get a move to a big club. He was he was linked with Liverpool every year um, mm. before he went to Barcelona and then went to Barcelona and couldn't play for six months because they were on a transfer ban. So he was linked with everyone then. And then he never got in the team once he came back, really. So he was linked with everyone again. Um, he, he's not, he's not going to get a big move. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I reckon, without looking, I reckon we've been linked with him ten times in the past. I think when they've yeah. got to fill, fill pages in newspapers... They look at 
they look at their archives. Who have we linked with who before? Oh, look, he still hasn't moved. Let's fill fill column inches. Yeah, there's a couple of names popping up, and and they're talking um, a kid by the name of Ozcan as well. Yeah, still uh, Yeah, so yeah, from Stuttgart. Yeah, so transfer window is not far away, and the rumours will start, I suppose. Um, it's, still, it's still over two months. We're still closer to the previous one that just closed than we are to the new one. <laughs> November, yeah, December, yeah, okay. <laughs> I need to sell some papers, mate. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, just quickly before we go, uh, Tony, December, we've got a lot of fixtures coming up in around December, November, December, is it? Uh, December, we've got, uh, I think, seven confirmed. Uh, we've potentially won against West Brom, which uh, we're still TB, TBA or TBC, um, dependent on the TV schedule, which is out next week, I believe. Mm. But yeah, I think mean, it's made a lot of headlines today that we have, we've got a lot of games, but two of them will be one's Barte at home, um, which would be a semi-reserve team anyway, and we should, with 99%, going to already be through by then. Mm-hmm. So it'll be... Completely a completely a second string team. Um, West Ham is another one in the cup, which again uh, we've seen the type of teams that play in that, uh, the type of players we play. Sorry. Yep. So again, it's going to be a second string, which brings it down. I mean, still it's going to be five or six games, which is still a lot. Mm. Uh, and in there we've got uh, Man United and Liverpool at home, West Ham away in the league, uh, West Brom and Palace away. Uh, so there's a lot of away games. Um, <coughs> And also what doesn't include in them six or eight games is on the 1st of January is uh, Chelsea. So, oh. I mean, it's a tough run, but two of the two of the six games are essentially reserve games. Yeah. So it's not as packed as it looks. You reckon... Uh... Uh, I was going to say, we also get the extra day's rest after the Barté game. We'll play on Sunday because we've been deemed to play on Thursday, but none of the players that play on the Thursday will play on Sunday. So... That's the one time when being in the Europa League may actually do us a favour, get an extra day's rest for mm-hmm. players that have that don't need the rest because they've not played. Yeah, okay. We might um, yeah, long shot. This is where we might the month we might see a couple of these young fellas start in a Premier League game. Uh, probably not. Um, no. Okay. I don't think six games a month in the month is too too drastic and. <laughs> You think you're only gonna even if you make four changes, say from the team that played the week before uh, or the game before, because over Christmas and New Year we've got six uh, three games in like six or seven days. Yeah. But you're only gonna make three or four changes, and there's you look at the players that are playing. You've got so the players that are in the, the seemingly second string side. You've got Jack Walcott, uh, Iwobi, Giroud, Elneny, Coquelin. So there's six that could come in. Uh, without any of the young guys playing. So I'd be very, very surprised if any of them. Uh, the only way I can see that happening is if maybe Kolasinac gets injured or fat um, and uh, they don't want to move Montreal out from mm. centre-back. And um, Santi's then Maitland still a bit off, may, isn't he? Yeah, then Maitland-Niles may play there, but he's, I think he's the only one that, that looks like they may get in. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Alright guys, um, well thank you because like I said we'll keep it really short so we'll be back in two days time after the Swansea game we won't go through the Swansea game because we did that last podcast 
but I will just give a quick prediction of I'll go 2-1 Arsenal. Uh, Savvy? Yeah, I'm going with 4-0 Arsenal. I want us to score some goals. Right, uh, Schwinn? Oh, wow, Savvy took mine. Uh, let's go with 5-0 in that case. Okay, and Tony will go 10-0. So, um, yep. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You can follow us at Twitter at clockend underscore talk. Uh, the boys are also writing some stuff at clockend.blog that you can find it there. And thank you, everybody, for your support. It's been wonderful. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you on Thanks. Sunday. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.